Today's Intern Whisper Employer Tip of the Week is you benefit greatly by working with interns. We did a skills-based study of interns and their employee mentors. 93.1% of our E4C employers reported their mentoring skills improved tremendously. That was strongly agreed and agreed. Mentoring skills are in demand and they accelerate skill development for employees and increase retention. So sign up today to become one of our employer mentors with E4C, Employers for Change. So on today's Intern Whisper show is Marianne Kil Kilgallen, the owner and CEO of Pink Lotus Technologies and also the creator of Palm. So on our show, we always talk about Marianne, education, innovation, future of work and jobs and industries. Um, but we're going to kick off the show with five words. Tell our listeners five words that you would use to describe yourself. Oh, five words. Okay. Um, driven. Mm -hmm. Very curious. Yep. Uh, passionate. And um, oh my gosh, what's another one? <laughs> curious, creative, driven, caring, creative. and tenacious. But I would take tenacious out and I'm going to say relational because I think you are such a good <laughs> networker and relational. You are so caring and empathetic. I just think those are the words that come to my mind when I think of you. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll use any we'll of those. those. Yeah. Okay. We might end up with more than five words that describe you, but it's all good. So why did you say curious? I have been curious since the, since I can remember. So as a kid, I was always curious, um, you know, in the car as a kid, a car full of kids driving somewhere, everyone's talking, yapping. I'm looking out the window, wondering about that building, who's in there, what are they doing? Just, I've always been a curious cat. Okay. So how old were you when that's going on? Oh gosh. As early as I can remember, seven, eight years old, I've always been very curious. Hmm. I don't remember anything. I think that's like my age of awareness where I actually can go, oh, I remember that stuff because I was like in Girl Scouts. Um, I don't remember anything that's like early childhood. Do you? Not everything. There's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't remember that living in that house or doing that or going there. You know, my sister was just here visiting and we we're uh, reminiscing and she remembers things that I don't. And then I remember things that she doesn't. So I mm. guess it all happens to everybody. It does. I sit here though. My brother is uh, a year, 18 months younger than me. And he remembers all kinds of stuff. And I sit here and I have these conversations with my dad. Also, I go, dad, why, why does Jay remember all of this? And I don't, because like, I'm the older child. I'm the oldest. Like, why is it? I don't know this. I said, well, he goes, well, I always told him a lot of the stories. So that's probably why he remembers them. But he said, I often wonder what happened to you that you like was something so bad that you don't remember what happened. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's all good. Anyway, creative. Why creative? Oh, I've always loved to, in my mind to create things, um, you know, even if I see something, I don't know, somebody's front yard and I see something, I'm like, oh, if they did that or they did this, it could be better or different. So I actually have a mind's eye for creativity. When I see something, I just recreate it in my mind. And it can be so many different things. It can be for outfits. It can be for foods, recipes. It can be for some landscaping. So yeah, I've always been creative 
very, very creative. I've been to your home. I like your landscaping. I like <laughs> your, your giant closet that you have. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're super creative. Uh, driven. Why driven? Well, first off, you're an entrepreneur. I think everybody has to be driven because this is yes. hard stuff, right? Yes, yes. Definitely driven. Um, I think it has a lot to do with my growing up, you know, growing up in the Midwest. Um, my mom had to pretty much raise five kids on her own. And, um, you know, I wanted things and being a middle child. Um, my mom was working sometimes three part-time jobs just to put food on the table and pay the rent. Was she a single mom? Yes. Oh, wow. That's yeah. significant. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just thought, you know what, if I want something, I have to go for it. So as a kid, that was my mindset. And that's what I did. I always had, you know, side hustles at school. Every summer I worked jobs. Um, I literally had the lemonade stand selling cookies to my neighbors, everything you can imagine to, to get money for things that I wanted. And what I wanted was simple things. I wanted lunch money every day. You know, I wanted to be able to buy my own clothes and my own, um, shoes that I wanted and, you know, matching belt there. I am seventh, seventh grader, you know, trying to look all, you know, suave. Yeah. Be <laughs> a fashionista, so, right? Yes. Yes. So, um, that, I think that's what drives me. It's always driven me is because I knew that I had to go get it if I wanted something. So I've always been driven. That's been my mindset forever. How many kids in your family? Um, five. That's a lot for a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom's amazing. I don't know her, but I already can say your mom's amazing. Five kids, single mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your next word, caring. I picked that one. That's like one of my words because I think you definitely demonstrate great care in your online posts and you're so warm and gracious. I just think that you're a very caring individual, but what are your thoughts? Thank you. Um, you know, I, it's just, I've always felt like that. And I always go back to all these things with me, but it's really who I am. It's what I've always mm -hmm. been. I've not changed. I've always been very, you know, if we're somewhere and somebody's falling behind, um, what was a kid that would go and help the person that was falling behind? So was, uh, always been caring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think caring feeds into empathy and then also relational. Yeah. You're very relational. You're very thoughtful when you write messages online, um, on posts, you're very active in social media. I am only active on LinkedIn. And I think, you know, how to work all four of the channels. I'm trying. <laughs> There's only doing Marianne. You're doing it for sure. Well, I think those words are great words. So where did you go to college? first? Um, so I was born and raised in the Midwest in Michigan. And um, that's funny because I don't think of Michigan as Midwest to me. I, I would say that it's mid North, but I, really? a lot, yeah, I hear a lot of yeah. that because I was born in Kansas and we're told that's Midwest. So I guess that whole region of the United States from the top all the way down to, I guess, Texas is considered Midwest, right? Well, Texas is the South South considered, you know, South Southwest, but um, yeah. So Michigan all the way, it can be to Kansas. So wow. in the middle of the state. So, yeah, you know, the Northeast obviously is, is along the Atlantic coast. So yeah, we always say Midwest, but born and raised there. And um, I went to community college and that's as far as I got. Wow. What did you do in community college? What was your focus? Um, human services. And <laughs> yeah, that I, ties in with everything we just said. You know, and it's funny because when I went to do my uh, assessment with my um, my college, you know, uh, mentor, he said, he said, you know, I really need to talk to you about this. He says, because I wanted to go into social services and help help children. And he said, 
it's a really, really tough industry. And you're going to go home crying every night because you, you're going to try to help every child. And you're probably going to want to take every child home with you. And you can't. And there's things that are going to be out of your control and things that are, you know, that you're going to see that there's problems in the system. And um, it, I really think you should rethink that. And so that was the first time somebody was really like, you know, telling me that. And, and I thought about that too. And I, I thought, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, what did you think of that advice? Did you find it to be true? I did find it to be true. And I was very thankful for him to, you know, for telling me that, um, because I wasn't looking through that lens. I was looking through the, the lens of the empathy and the caring. And, um, but he said, the stress level is so high. And I thought, well, you know, what? I don't want to be somewhere where I'm so stressed and, you know, driving home crying because I probably would have. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was glad for that. Yeah. I think that that's true. I, you know, I find I was in not the same type of industry, but I was a public classroom teacher. And many times you're just very consumed with the plights and the problems of these children. And when you care for them, it's like your ability to make change. We think it can be nothing, but really it can be a lot because you showed that you cared about these people. I'm sure that there's somebody that it sits there and goes, I remember her. Yeah. I don't know if you've realized that or not, but <laughs> I find that to be um, very comforting because I'll run into previous students that I used to teach and they'll go, I remember you and you did this. And I'm pretty sure that if you went back to Michigan, somebody would say, I remember you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you went from social services to working in that industry to what, how, what is your climb been like? Well, oh, it's, it's been all over the place. Um, you know, I got married very young and went out to California and just, you know, pretty much just did what I had to do, you know, moving, being newly married, no kids, you know, we're in our early twenties living in LA. So just doing what I had to do just while we were having fun, if you want to say that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it's a mix, you know, um, I've had different, um, companies that I started small companies, every, everything from, um, cafes to restaurants, to a specialty salsa in a, uh, national food market chain, um, to also, um, business consulting, um, building restaurants. It's, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear more about the salsa venture. I love salsa. I, you know, did you make it with mangoes? That's my favorite kind is anything with mangoes in it, but tell me what you did there. No, I didn't use mangoes, but I did try a lot of recipes and I just wasn't happy with it. And I wanted to stick to what I did best. So I did a, a mild, what we call Mexico mild. And I did a hot, which was called caliente. Um, and so growing up, we always had salsa on our table. So that was just something that um, everyone in my family is always made. Everybody makes their own variety, their own version. And so I just started um, making my variety. And everywhere I lived, you know, my husband was in the airline industry. So we've lived in different states. And, and so we've traveled quite a bit. And I would make, you know, friends with all my neighbors. And the first thing they would say when I said, oh, we're moving, they wouldn't say, oh, we're going to miss you. They're like, but where are we going to get ourselves? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so everywhere, I'm not kidding. You me. had customers everywhere. Yes. Everywhere that, that, um, I lived all my neighbors, I'd make salsa for them. So it was just a thing I did. Um, and then I decided to get into this, you know, start making it. Um, and I started making the salsa, um, 
and UCF was building a stadium. This is how far back I'm going. They were just building the football stadium. And I thought, well, that would be cool if I can get my salts on that in salt chips and salsa at the games. And so, um, after finding out who I had to talk to and um, going and get securing an appointment, a meeting, I took my chips and salsa there and met with the, the uh, food manager there. And um, they he, loved it. And he tasted it and went, we have he, to have this. He said, this is a, unbelievable. Hang on. He went and got like four other guys that were working in the stadium and they all came around and they were just like digging in and digging <laughs> in and eating it. And their reaction was just priceless. And he says, this is so good. He said, but one location is not enough. Can you do two two carts, two salsa carts? And I said, sure, no problem. And here I am, don't even have a cart. I had to build it. So I had the contract before I even had the the, the cart to, to sell yeah. the product. Well, that's, but that's the right answer to say, you know, you're problem solving right there. Yes, we can absolutely do that. And then you go and figure that out. When absolutely. You're walking I, didn't away. Sh- I didn't show any, any doubt. I didn't show no anything fear. like, you know, where am I going to get the thousands of dollars that I need to get to build these carts custom made, you know, so um, I, I figured it out and I did it. And then um, when the season started, we had two carts, the east side and the west side of the stadium. Hmm. And we were there for two years. And then, um, did you measure how many quarts of salsa you created or gallons? I have it in my, in a binder somewhere, my salsa journals. I have it. Yes. So I don't think I've ever tasted this salsa. So I definitely want to try it out. I know we've talked about tamales that'll come up later. We'll see if we have time and then flan. All of my favorite things are like what you're mentioning right now. Yeah. I love flan, but I've never made it. Ooh, I have. And I even made it um, sugar-free and dairy-free. Oh. And I'm going to tell you that was a challenge because I used almond milk and then I used um, stevia as the sweetener because mm. somebody was diabetic and they were also, they couldn't have dairy. And I said, I, I can do that. And it wow. actually turned out, well, it's, it's a custard at the end yes. of the day. So I didn't think it was too hard. Anyway, back over here to you. So let's talk about fast forward to where you are now. And you are the owner of Pink Lotus Technologies. Correct. So why that name? Why'd you pick it? You know, um, obviously it's a tech company and I knew that, you know, and I spent a lot of time writing, thinking about the name. It just had to be perfect. And I knew that my name was going to be up in, in signs and billboards, not billboards, but in, in um, panels and mm-hmm. with other tech companies and which is very highly male dominated. So I thought I want my, the name of my company to stand out. So when somebody sees me either on the internet, um, on a platform somewhere, they know that has got to be a female founder. So mm-hmm. I because of the word pink, pink and Lotus, Lotus is um, the pink, the Lotus is a, a rebirth of the flower. And so I had 18 years in, you know, restaurant business. And I literally transitioned, you know, to a whole new sector. So it's a rebirth to me. So to me, it just fit perfect. I love the way it sounded. I go by pink Lotus tech, but it's pink Lotus technologies. Mm. And what is the product that pink Lotus, the first product that you guys uh, launched? So we have our flagship product. It's called Palm for peace of mind monitor. And it's a connected wearable device with a mobile app. Mm-hmm. And it connects the most vulnerable, your young children or seniors to the family circle. And in an emergency at a touch of a button, your loved one's profile and location will be sent directly <clears throat> to 911. So we've integrated our API software into 5,200 911 call centers. Wow. That is, sounds so amazing because it's life-saving. Yes. 
So does that also work in the event that like, we'll say it's a small child because I've seen your product. It's like a little, little watch. It looks like a little wristwatch. I'm sure you have something different for, you know, adults, but it's, it's very, you know, playful. It's, it looks like a toy. So, you know, probably a kidnapper couldn't sit here and go, Ooh, you know, is that something that I should be aware of? But is it something that the child just goes click and it calls? Well, right now we only have our MVP, which is our first version, but our next version, we are working on some other features. And so we do want to have a, um, a lock locking mechanism on it. So right. that way it can't be taken off. And, um, we, have been awarded a, a license from NASA and it has some pretty great technology in it. And that's specifically for preventing the um, cases of kidnapping. Oh, so, wow. so the parents will be alerted instantly on their mobile phone. If it gets taken off, if it's broken, ripped off, cut off. Mm-hmm. I could see you even expanding. I'm throwing another idea out here. I know we didn't discuss this at all, but human trafficking. Yes. And I could see something like this being of real value if if you can get a teenager to not necessarily wear the palm device, but something that would be something they would like, right? You know, something that's in their, I guess their age area, their generation area. Um, but it has huge value and it can actually not only save lives, but, you know, be able to change the course of I wa- the reason why I'm bringing up this thing about not necessarily trafficking, but kidnapping is I watched um, a show, I think it was on Netflix and it was about the the little blonde haired girl that was Maddie that was in the hotel and in 15 minutes, somebody kidnapped that child. I think her name was Maddie um, and she was gone. And here it is a good, 15 years later, and they're finally have closure, they believe they found the killer of her at the time. But man, if they had had something like that, that could have just changed everything. Right, right. And that's the thing there's nowadays we have um, parents are working um, more than ever, and their children are in the hands of a caregiver. You know, if you're with the babysitter, or they're at grandma's, most kids, they want to be outside, they want to be out riding their bike. So it gives peace of mind to the parents knowing that um, wherever they are in the U.S., they can look over at their app and they can see where their child is. They can uh, call their child directly on on the wristband and the child can call them. So um, it's really a preventive measure to help protect the children before something happens. But the fact that emergencies happen every day Mm -hmm. and um, if it does happen, you have peace of mind knowing that it's quick and it's instant. rescue is coming for your child. Oh, that is so, so valuable to have. Well, what's it like being a female owner of a business, especially in a startup? Uh, I mean, in a technology company, because I know I've had my experience. We went last month to Synapse Tampa and many times there's not a lot of women in the room. I'm happy to say at Synapse Tampa and also Synapse Orlando, we see a lot of women business owners here, but still, Uh, in technology where there's not many and you're also a Hispanic. So the numbers might not be nearly as strong as just women in general too, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's literally dwindled to, to very low amounts. So, um, you know, even in Orlando, when I go to tech events, um, there's probably, you know, three or four women in the and if it's being catered, one of the women I'm counting is the caterer. So yeah, I know I what mean, you mean. I literally would go sometimes to events and count how many women are in this room, you know, mm-hmm. and there'd be two or three mm-hmm. and then how many women of color? I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we've got a long way to go. So I, I, I definitely love encouraging and, and 
you know, I try to network with other other individuals, other groups to to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. I know that um, I work out of Orlando Game Space, and it's predominantly male uh, occupants, members that are there. And I am the only woman uh, business owner that works there. There is somebody that is woman owned, and but she's a real estate. She's not a technology company. She's in commercial real estate. Um, I don't see her very much, but the other one, two, three, four, four other women there, they're employees of somebody. So I definitely see it in the game arena. I see it in technology when I go to events and many of the other events, just as conferences go, if you're exhibiting or whatever, but you've got um, a lot of exposure. And I think that there's been a great deal of awareness of women in color and women in general and helping to get us support, but you've been on a number of really, um, you know, really high profile opportunities. Uh, one of them was, uh, I know tomorrow you're speaking at the climb, right? Yes. Yep. So you can talk about that one, but it was, it's not, is it UPS? Oh, the UPS Ignite. Yeah, that yes. was the award that you got. Why don't you share with our listeners what that is? Yes. Yeah, so um, there was a nationwide, you know, contest for entry to submit if you wanted to be, you know, backed by UPS, get a partnership with UPS. So of course I apply, I apply for everything, anything that I think yeah. can benefit the company. Um, and I got chosen. So they flew me out to San Diego for an, a big, there was a big conference there and they had, um, you know, a pool party on the seventh floor, you know, wow. reception for me and another lady that won. She was from Silicon Valley. And so um, it was a great event and it was um, the UPS Ignite uh, Women's Entrepreneur Award. So that was really great because what it does is it gives us a partnership with UPS um, to be able to offer all our shipping um, at a really, really great price. And it also includes a, a grant and um, it includes some mentoring from some top CEOs and also um, the program includes um, going through courses, having information on demand through the Kellogg's Business School um, and a whole range of other programs that they've partnered with. So all that will be available to us. Wow. That's really fortunate. And because you have a product that is, you know, obviously mailed, it's put in a package and mailed. I think UPS is a great partner to have. Yes. Yes. And I, they just had me on last week. I was on, on the, one of their women's panel and, um, and the lady that from California too, we were both on the panel. So that was nice that they invited us to go speak at that event. Mm, very nice. So pink, we're going to go back to the color pink and talk about Nike and those pink sneakers that you came into the room with. What's the story on that also? So actually at this event that we were just speaking of in San Diego, um, I was waiting for lunch. I was sitting at a table. Um, but prior to that, the um, organizer was walking by and you know, he had a, a two-piece suit on, a blue suit, and he had these really jazzy Nikes. And I stopped and I had met him at the award ceremony. He came to congratulate me the evening before. And um, so I took advantage of like, I want to meet, talk to this guy again, right? Because he just came and shook my hand when I won the award before the award ceremony. And then I saw him the next morning walking the halls of this event. And I said, hey, I re- those are some really um, cool looking tennis. He said, do you know about these? And I said, no. And he says, let me tell you, he said, these were made exclusive by Nike for us. Um, at the event, basically all the VIPs of the event, people involved in putting on the production. He said they only made 200, I believe, 200. 
So I thought, oh, that's great, you know. And I was on my way to lunch and I went and sat down and there was an individual at the table next to me and um, we just started talking and I, he asked me what I did. And, and then I noticed there was a box, a Nike box on his table. And I said, oh, wait, did you get a pair? You must be a VIP. He goes, oh, I'm no VIP. Turns out he works for ESPN. He's a producer. And, um, you know, he's talking to me about being able to do promote me as a CEO on the go. And um, so he said, get a bunch of pictures wherever you go and, and start working on that. So um, he loved the whole thing that it's represents the same name as the company Pink Lotus Tech. And I have, you know, neon pink Nikes. I actually have like five pair of Nikes, but these are the ones that really stand out. And um, a lot of times when I go to events, you know, I tag, ask me about my shoes or, or Nike and people will come up to me. So tell me about it. So people like to hear the story. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm actually compiling a bunch of photos for one day to be able to, you know, get those put together and um, hopefully get some type of um, sponsorship, some type of partnership. Okay. With Nike. There's an idea that just came to my mind. I don't think we ever talked about this too, is it's like, where in the world is Marianne? <laughs> And then you have a picture of you with your Nikes near some type of a landmark. And if you do that, and then you hashtag Nike and hashtag, where am I? I think that you'd be able to start getting a trend. I'm just going to throw that idea yeah. out there because you are, you are everywhere. And certainly <laughs> it could be, obviously we live in Orlando, Florida. You could, you know, start testing it out there. Uh, but, you know, where is this? you know, where in the world is Marianne? Where yes. in the world is this landmark? <laughs> and then people will begin to um, pick it up. I would yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I know I asked you to wear your Nikes today and you did. So that's cool. <laughs> we'll get a picture of that also. So what are some of the other competitions that you've uh, done? Because you did a couple of them and you won some prizes. Yes. Yeah, so um, the Hispanics and Philanthropy um, had a competition, um, with, um, Latinx startup pitch. So I won that and that was a catch prize. That was nice. Um, oh, I, my, my mind just went blank. That's okay. Because, because I had a very, very busy fall. Last I know you did. was just like a world. You were like, every time I, I opened traveling. up an app, you were always in the news and you had won something. And I think it just becomes so overwhelming to be honest. And with your next intern, I think that you should put together a press kit that says, here's all of the awards <laughs> that you've won. Honestly, that would be huge because in your office, you also have uh, all of the lanyards of everything that you've done. Yes. And that's really, really cool content that you can put out there and just say, this is the journey, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, I started that, um, you know, I have them on a cork board and I started that with thinking, you know, after I had maybe 15, I thought, well, the days that I feel like I'm not accomplishing enough and those will happen. I look over and I say, wow, you, you've been a lot. Now there's probably 50 or 60 on there um, the, of events, you know, that I've been at. So it's still growing. Yeah, it will. And it isn't going to stop for us, honestly. Uh, the reason why I like you sharing some of the organizations and the groups that you've been a part of is because for our listeners, those that are Hispanic they, and Latino, they would probably like to know some of those resources because it becomes, oh, I didn't know about that. Um, you were telling me about something when we, before we were get, getting into the show also, and you said, oh, there's another thing that's over here and it's 
Do you want me to say what it was? Go ahead. Yes. Okay. <laughs> her story, her, her story connections. So it's kind of like history, but it's her story. Um, and it says, I'm looking at the website. It's an exclusive global community for female entrepreneurs with the focus to help build, fund, and grow female founded and owned businesses. Uh, you and I both get uh, newsletters from Hello Alice. And that's one of the key things. I've even pulled that one up. Um, because they say, what would a $10,000 grant mean for a small business? And this one is KKR Small Business Builders Grant Program for Female Founders. So there's different criteria for winning these things, but we'll give a shout out to Hello Alice. And that's, an, you know, obviously a, a newsletter that you can sign up for, but they're all about creating community. They're also all about helping us to find funding that what we may not have known about, but her story connections and you're on the home page here. I'm looking at it. I see you pink Lotus technologies with your pink jacket um, looking very radiant there. Um, so they have a multi-million dollar grant program to help female founded businesses quickly. And in the short term, yes. Did you apply for this one? I sure did. When do we find I, out? Cause I'm going to be doing it today also. Yes. Um, I'm not, it's a rolling basis. So you just hang tight, see if they contact you. So I saw something else that had come through and not like yourself, I apply for all kinds of, you know, opportunities, but, uh, one that I signed up for was with uh, Morgan Stanley and it's for, it was underrepresented, underrepresented, um, founders and it's women and underrepresented. So I applied for that one. They come in with 250,000 as investment with 4% equity, which is like unbelievably yes. low. So there's that, but is there any other groups that you've been in that are significant? Um, female founders, founders um, fund has one. Mm -hmm. um, Hello, Alice is good. And I just say um, it's really good to enroll in all those newsletters. That oh, way yeah. you know what's happening because what they're doing is they're letting you know about three or four different um, pitch competitions or events, you know, anything that can benefit you. So I always say sign up for the, those that are going to give you information that that pertains to you and that's going to help you. I We are also members of Simfluence. That is the Florida High Tech Corridor that they put stuff out there for us um, all the time. Every two weeks we get a new newsletter because I was so busy with all of the other things I was working on, I missed the newsletter two weeks ago and I saw the new one come out. So yes. yeah, they yeah. tell us like local, regional, state, national opportunities. Yeah, that's a good um, one. They helped us get into Synapse. That was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I am so thankful for all of these organizations that are here supporting women founders and just helping us to, um, it's and like there's, a there's jigsaw a, puzzle, there, yeah, isn't it? And there's a lot of information out there, but like I said, it's not, no one's going to come dump it in your, your mailbox. You have to sign up and you have to, to be able to know. Cause one time somebody said, okay, I've seen you in like the last three weeks. I've seen you like four times in these events. How do you know about these? I said, well, I sign up for all the newsletters. So I know what's happening with mm -hmm. all these organizations. So that's a good tip out there. Mm, I agree. I agree. So tamales. I know we're getting, I, I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, okay, I know we're going to be moving over to another topic, but I don't want to forget tamales. I remember you were on LinkedIn. You were up in Michigan, I think visiting your mom or something of that nature. And it turns out that you mentioned something casually on LinkedIn about tamales. And I said, oh, 
Can you teach me how to make those? I so <laughs> want to learn them. And one of my questions is that I've used before is like, uh, if you have only four, five ingredients like chopped, what would you make with it? And I'm thinking maybe it's tamales, but what? Oh, no. It tamales would be salsa has like 50 for you. ingredients. Tamales, if you do them right. Yeah, you know, really? Yeah, yeah. It, tamales has, I mean, it's all the spices and then the dough and then the two types. Well, the way we well, make Well, the them. spices don't count against you in chopped. They okay. only give you like five. So I'm thinking it's the masa. And then I don't know what goes into masa. I think it's just water and then the meat. And no, uh, no. So it's the masa and it's the water and it's the, um, you know, actually lard. It's a uh, oh, condensed really? lard that you put in there to make it um, very soft and creamy and not dried out. And mm. then, you know, we use a, um, it, I use my mom's recipe. So she does a roast pork and a, um, a roast beef and combines it and shreds the meat. So oh, it's yum. just so good. So good. Then the corn husk. So yeah, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Corn husks don't count either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause we don't eat those. That's just part of plating. So. Okay. Yeah. It's all good. Anyway, coming back over here. Um, what is it that you are doing with your product as you move into quarter two or the rest of the year, your fundraising, I believe. Yes. Yes. So we are currently closing out a pre-seed round right now and, um, we're almost there. Um, and that's for our launching and we're actually going to be launching, um, uh, next quarter here in Orlando, take it to Tampa and third quarter Miami. Um, and then we're also going to have a seed round open in um, third quarter this year. Oh, wow. That's so a it's lot. It's all st strategic. Yeah, it sure enough is. Uh, we both know somebody that's near and dear for us and that's Phil, who is your CFO, but you know, I don't think we would be uh, fair unless we give him a little shout out. So Phil is like, he's one of your biggest fans and he is always helping you make introductions. Yes, Phil's amazing. I tell everybody, you know, when we met, I just read it because I kept hearing everyone say, well, I got to talk to Phil, Phil. And so there's three or four uh, women that I know that have their own companies and Phil was their CFO. And I just said, you know, well, I'm not ready for a CFO. And then finally, when it was time, I, I you know, obviously I'm like, I need to meet this Phil. And so mm -hmm. we met at a coffee shop and right there at right there that morning, we hit it off and we both just said, yes, let's work together. And it was the best decision I've ever did because he's amazing. He's gone, gone above and beyond. Um, not just a CFO. He, he's so well connected. Mm -hmm, and um, so he, he loves being a connector and, and he's helped me a lot. And even like tomorrow, he's going to come help me man the booth. He went to Tampa to help me man the what booth. Are, oh yeah. At, at the, the climb. climb. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's a, at the national entrepreneur center. Mm -hmm. And it's all the organizations. And so they're having, um, you know, to, to end um, International Women's Month. So it's, it's going to be a good, good time for it. Mm -hmm. it's all That's going to be in the, in the actual NEC in the Fashion Square Mall, right? Yes. So it's not out in the mall area. It's in the, no. it's in their office. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, be it cool. depends how big it's going to be. I know they're expecting over hundred. Um, sometimes they do put the booths, the, the table displays out in the little hallway area, you know, so there it's breakfast and lunch included. They've got um, over a hundred people already bought tickets and they've got um, a, a keynote speaker and three other speakers. Yeah. And I got saw the this stuff. It, it does look really, really good. And they've got really great sponsors behind them. Yes. So yeah, definitely there. Uh, let's see. What are you most proud of and why? I am most proud. That's easy. Um, my children. Mm. 
I have a daughter who lives up in Chicago, who just celebrated actually yesterday, her two year wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. who unfortunately, because of COVID, they had to cancel their wedding plans and they got married just in their, in their condo there. Um, but, um, you know, she went up there and, and she applied for a job while she was still living down here, just getting out of, she was still in school and, um, she went, you know, she flew up there like for three or four interviews and she took the position. And so she's been up there and that's where she met her husband. And so they've been married now two years and they have a, a golden retriever puppy. That's adorable. That's their baby. That's her test baby. So I'm not a grandma yet. <laughs> yeah. Until they get the, the real one. And then my son who's, um, is here in Orlando. He's in the Orlando area. Mm. So it's Does just he wonderful. go to school? Uh, no, he's, he's a lot older. He's 28 years old. Mm. And so he works for the County orange County. But they're just, they're wonderful, warm-hearted, kind. They're just, just wonderful people. They're mm-hmm. wonderful humans. And I, I, I know that they carry themselves wherever they go. And I'm, I'm just really, really proud of, of who they are. I know you are. Um, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier. Like you had started your own business when you were a teenager, I think, or maybe even younger. And I remember you telling me a story of how you were selling toothpicks. Uh, toothpicks. Yeah. What is that story? So uh, seventh grade, junior high, um, you know, never had lunch money. Obviously, I was always trying to get lunch money. But I there, this uh, other this boy was selling cinnamon toothpicks and and I, and he always had money, you know, and I, back then that was like a cool thing. I mean, that's how far dated I'm dating myself, but <laughs> so I thought, well, you know what, this school, this is a pretty big school and he's the only one doing it. So I went to Joanne Fabrics and I figured out how to make it and bought the cinnamon vials and bought a thousand toothpicks and then, you know, foil paper. And what you do is you soak them overnight and then you, you know, you take them out and you put them in little foil wraps and I would sell them for 50 cents, but I would sell, you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes in a couple of days. So Mm -hmm. that was plenty of lunch money that you didn't have enough money to buy somebody else lunch. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. I remember those two being super, super popular. I don't remember now. I have, I was in middle and high school down here and well, at least high school down here, but in St. Louis during middle school. And I don't remember that uh, people selling those kind of things in school, but I think that was really kind of genius of you, honestly, because it's small enough. You can tuck it into a purse or a backpack, right? And nobody's going to question you. It was like very low packaging and as inventory. And I went very in, in, ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I could put plenty of them. I worked on, <laughs> on the weekend on Monday, I was fully stocked and sometimes I'd run out by Wednesday. Um, but but I never had yeah, to the margin about, had to be huge. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> like I always 50 had cents, lunch money. You could go to <clears throat> the dollar store and pick up like a dollar. You probably get two packages of toothpicks. And I'm going, I don't know, there's a hundred in there, 200, whatever, but I'm going, Oh my God. And you remember back then everything, there, obviously there's no debit, there's no credit and we're all kids. So it's either you had two quarters, or you had a dollar bill. And if you didn't have a, you know, if I didn't have change, they would just say, keep the dollar. So I always made money, <laughs> Oh my gosh. you know, sometimes in a hurry or like this, is my last one, you know, or so that was fun. That is super, super smart. And then you also told me another story about you were doing something with, I think, fashion and turning some things around in retail, was it? Yes. Yeah, so then that was in um, 
actually it was a little younger than seventh grade. I was probably in like fifth grade. And so up in Michigan, you know, there's the churches, they all have these basements. It's very mm -hmm. popular, very common for churches to have basements. And so they would have a brown bag Saturday sale. It was $2. You'd fill a brown grocery bag and it'd be $2. You could fill anything you want. So I would go with my mom when I'd find out they were going on and I had my $2 and I would fill that bag till it was ripping. I mean, I would come up like this and I would put everything in there and I would spend like a couple hours in this rummage sale basement looking for things that I could resell. And it could be something for a household product in good condition. It would be, you know, it, shoes, a trinket, clothing. And then I'd go set up a table in my front yard the next Saturday and make 25 bucks off my $2 investment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your margin was like crazy. That's why I thought, I remember you telling me these stories and I went, yeah, that that's very smart. So I think that your product is going to do really well. Palm should do really, really well because you're very um, frugal. You know how to use money wisely, but you also, you know, maximize that opportunity for sure. So we're going to take a brief break here just to acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Okay, so we are back to our show. And in the second half of our show, we usually talk about the future of work. What do we think it would look like in our industry and in the job um, and in job opportunities? Have you been anywhere where you've seen robots in the mall or robots? Okay, somebody told me they saw them in a state park here. And I went, what? And they also saw them being used in a restaurant in Kissimmee. So have you seen any of these things? I have not, <laughs> not personally, but I've seen them online in restaurants where, um, especially over in Asia, specifically Japan, where they literally bring it and they're like on um, zip, zip ties flying over and then coming and just dropping your food. Kind of like a drone? No, there it's attacked. It's attached to a string. It reminds me of like, you know, when you go on those zip and you, and you just shoot it down a yeah. string, yeah. but um, it, they come from the kitchen, zip line. a zip line. Yes. Yeah. A zip line. And it comes and then it just drops your, your food it's covered. And so I've not seen it in person, but um, I've heard that it does exist. Hmm. Yeah. One of the people that I worked with from California had told me she was in a state park uh, visiting and there was uh, you could order food and this robot came rolling out and it was about, you know, the size of a, like a two and a half foot child comes rolling out and it offered you a menu and you would kind of like a vending machine, you would pick whatever it is that you want. It would go back, get it and bring it to you. And I'm going, okay, there's not a lot of space. So how are they doing that? There was like a lot of questions I had and she couldn't answer all of them, but I found that interesting. And then I've also, you know, heard that truly in Kissimmee, there is a, a, yeah, Kissimmee, there is a restaurant that has robots where you can order and it brings it to you. And wow. I just went, wow, we're seeing it obviously here and it is the reality of what is going on. doesn't surprise me because there's this group called The First and it is, I don't know the acronym broken down, but it is uh, there to teach elementary school all the way to college students um, how to build robots and it's very futuristic i've seen it at itsec and also at synapse they were there 
Yes, I saw the one at Synapse. Yeah, I think it's, you know, 10 years ago, people would be shocked and surprised and <clears throat> ah, now you look at it, oh, that's neat. And then you continue, you know, it's, it's so commonplace now. And I think even in 10 years in the future, they'll be everywhere. Have you seen any self-driving cars? No, I haven't. Only when I was at CES. Hmm. Because I've been told that they are obviously here too, and that they were testing them in this area, like in the downtown area. And but like, no, not too. Yeah. I haven't seen them, so I'm not sure where they are. But again, that's kind of robotic mm -hmm. to me. It definitely is. Um, automations as it relates to just how everything is accelerating. We just see that moving so fast. I, I think that in this space that we are in, um, that because technology is, is moving so quickly with how we expect work to be completed, it's causing, um, I think, some anxiety. This is just my observations, not because I've read it from research or anything, but I think that there's a lot of anxiety about trying to keep up with just the amount of information that's being put out there for us to know, whether it's learning new skills or you know learning something else. I can open up my phone or uh, any type of a platform I go and use and I go, oh, there's a new change. I just see an update and I'm then having to learn how to navigate around it. Are you experiencing those, those things going on also? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it can be kind of subtle. Um, it just depends on how much, um, how deep you are into different technology. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it, it's definitely being introduced to places that's never been. Um, it's so common now in definitely retail. It's definitely common, um, like you said, in restaurants, um, in transportation. Um, it's it's not going to stop. It's going to keep continue to to increase the different sectors that it's hitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely will. Uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. Um, I also think holograms are going to be like here before we know it. <clears> Throughout giving a throwback to Star Trek. So that I've been told that, yes, that people, they have been able, not people, but they have been able to transport uh, non-life things, like not animals or anything, and then, and then move it someplace else. And it's actually in the works because I'm going, wow. is it the same? Or because I sit here and I think if something is, to me, it's kind of like dissolving me or right. condensing me in some way. Like, am I going to be the same when I go to wherever else I'm going? I don't know about that, but I know about the, um, those, those holograms where it shows mm -hmm. something, you know, and Nike has the most amazing one that just came out. If you, anybody can Google it. Um, I'll Google it right now. It is the most amazing thing to see. And it's a, a box opening up and the tennis shoe coming out. You think the tennis shoe's falling on you and it's actually on the side of a building. Um, they even have one. If, most people probably saw this one. It's a, a lion coming out of a cage in Asia and people in the street run thinking that that's real and it, it's getting out. And it's not, it's just all uh, video digital oh, wow. graphics. Well, there's a lot of, uh, when I just Googled Nike hologram sneakers, um, that's a legitimate thing. Um, it is tons of, and I clicked on videos there's all kinds of stuff that are out all kinds of stuff that's out there for people to see so it it's for real i can see it i haven't watched any of those but i i'm intrigued by this but it's so good that when you see it the human eye you swear it's there and it's real so that's how good it's gotten so wow. if you saw something on a lake 
And you would think that ship was really there and it's not there. I hmm. mean, the, the way they've done it is just, you would just wonder if you're being fooled. Oh, well, I'm going to go and definitely watch for that for sure. You know, the saying seen is believing. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, so when I'm thinking about what the future can look like, I, I know that there's, if, if you kind of like Disney, if you can dream it, it can be right. And science fiction movies, I think that they are a way of predicting almost what, what could be if we are not good stewards of this knowledge and this wisdom that we are supposed to be uh, obviously having. So I'm going to hope that people will, will focus on good things that can be done, not, you know, things that are necessarily bad. Um, but what kind of jobs do you think? Well, well, let's look at COVID. What, what is, how has COVID impacted your business, just yourself, you know, in these past two years and ability, because you were supposed to go to South by Southwest and then COVID hit. Right. <clears throat> yeah. COVID definitely put a stopper on a lot of events that were happening in the past two years. And even for the first year and everybody said next year, well, next year came very quickly and it's, we still were, were, you know, in the pandemic and not able to do events. But um, for, for us, it just seems like um, everything's really slowed down. It took longer, you know, communicating with our developers and, and our, our, the manufacturer receiving product. They were delayed. We got delayed. It's, it's a dominoes effect when you have a, a hardware product that's being built. Um, but I, you know, I look at it as we never stopped. We just went at a snail's pace and it just slowed us down a lot, but we just, we continued to go. And that was, that was my focus. Just don't ever stop. Just keep going. Even if you're going at a slow pace, you know, there's a dang world pandemic. So I would tell myself, you know, when I would get, you know, you know, nervous or anxious about things aren't happening as fast as I want them to, you know, and I have mm -hmm. to remind myself, listen, this is happening to everybody in the world, mm -hmm. not just your little company. So, <laughs> yeah, that is very, very true. I, I know that is the case, but I have seen that uh, COVID's impact has truly um, changed how we do business and how we learn and how we get together. I It's impacted the supply chain. And you mentioned that just a few minutes ago, based on trying to get materials to produce and, you know, your particular product. Um, does it fall under hardware, the, the device itself? I know it's internet of things, but is it considered a hardware item? Yes, because we, it's a wearable, it's a, it's a wristband. So it's a hard, we're a hardware and software company, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, we like to say that we're a SaaS business, um, with a hardware device. Yeah. So with that said, the ability to make it in the United States, do you see 3d printing as a possibility? So you might not be you know, having to wait for something to come from outside of the U.S.? No, because it's all the electronics. That's, that's okay. the main thing. Yeah, definitely the shell can be maybe 3D in the future. But, um, you know, when you're doing mass mass quantity production like that, it, it's just not feasible. Mm, I got you. So COVID obviously has impacted supply chain. We've seen that happen and we've seen it in the grocery stores. I don't know when you go shopping, but I never noticed so many empty shelves before. Yeah. And so that's where the trucking industry is also impacted. Um, I'm hoping that things are going to catch up here in this year, as well as next. And we should see things coming back to what um, I don't know. I, I'm going to hope for pre-COVID, but 
at least innovation with how we can uh, meet the demands that are needed to be able to do business. Because if it's a cloud-based business, that's relatively, it seems easy, but then you still have people and you need to have people and we need to have people that are um, advancing at the pace of technology and they're learning. That's really hard to do. Right, right. I agree. Um, you know, everybody has a whole mind shift change now because of what we've all went through. And, you know, the people had to make a lot of different decisions that they weren't comfortable with, with their companies. Um, but, uh, you know, that's reality and that's the world we live in. And I think most companies realize, you know, we're all in this together and we're going to get through and, and most of us have gotten through. So mm-hmm. it's really just, um, you know, keeping your head above the water and staying in, in, in touch in tune with what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, um, with, with your company, even with your competitors, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, to me, what my goal is with employers for change is to be able to accelerate that, that learning process with cognitive skill development, which is not just trending in HR topics, which are super important also, but the ability to take um, three months and make it equivalent to a year of ex- a year of experience, that's very, very hard to do. And I, I got 26 years in education, you know, all the way from middle high school to higher ed, but even in that pre-K area. Um, and I've, I believe I, I totally know how to understand how to accelerate that. Um, that's why I'm always excited to work with employers that are forward thinking and saying, okay, yes, because it's, it's built around relationship, which is one of the words that I would have used to describe you is I think you're very, again, relationship oriented Uh, inside of a company. We all have to have a culture that is embracing diversity inclusion, but also being able to work collaboratively. And that's one of the challenges we have when we work remotely. For sure. I don't know what you thought your thoughts are about that. Um, I agree with you, what you said. It, it, it seems to be that, um, you know, we're all made different and some people love working um, in offices. Some people love working remote, um, but going back, it's going to be a mixed mix bag of both. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the larger companies are allowing the, comp- the employees to stay at home more. Some are doing split, you know, three, two on and off. But um, just being able to go and look and see that what's happening for the future is definitely something that um, we're never really going back to pre-COVID times, I don't think. I think everything, everything has, there's just been a shift. Everything has been a shift as far as the workplace, um, or companies, you know, if you talk to somebody five years ago, and what they were thinking is not the same thing that they're thinking now during COVID. I think people have put on on their to-do lists, it's so different now and it's being prepared for the next thing that's coming. If something comes, I'm not saying anything's coming, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, a lot of people were not prepared for what happened and for the length of time. And um, now people are really being more um, reserved with what they have, maybe even their mm-hmm. cash flow, um, even everything that they hire, um, you know, a lot of contract work is being done now. You can hire somebody for six months, three months. Uh, you know, it used to be a 12 month or to 36 month contracts for a lot of um, work, but now that's all changed. So it's pretty much work on demand when you want it. And it doesn't matter. These people are, are all over the world that are, are doing this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is some of the best mentoring advice that you've received or that you would like to share with our listeners? 
<clears throat> what I've received some good advice has always been to, um, you know, start small, you know, we all have big, you know, dreams of doing all these grand things, but um, it, it's better to start small and, and grow slowly. And while you're growing, you're learning the process, because if you're on a, a bullet train going so fast, how are you going to learn everything that's happening in your company? Um, because it's just gone so by so fast. So if it's a slow process, you're able to watch and learn mm -hmm. the journey. Um, and, you know, I give people advice, you know, take advice from someone that's done it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that like to give advice on business, but they've never owned a business. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's different in the real world. You know, I've seen people with um, a lot of degrees and they decide one day they're going to start a business and then they, they start it, but they, they quit in three months or six months and because it's not what, what they thought it would be, or they thought because they had the education that was enough for them, but it's not, it's, it's a lot. This is hard. What we it's do hard. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think anybody understands it because 90% of the businesses startups fail is the statistic and don't make it past um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is uh, you truly have to be listening to your customers. You truly have to be committed to what it is that the market need is and what you believe you can bring to the market. That's going to solve us some major problem. And it, Obviously, that's how we scale is a major problem, not a minor problem. But the I don't think I've ever done anything that has been this flipping hard before. It seems like when my mother passed and just other significant life um, challenges, challenges. Yeah, that's a good word for Disappointments. it. Disappointments. <laughs> yeah, all of those, you know, just the bumps that we get in the road. I just sit here and I say I was telling my brother, I said, this is hard. I have never done anything because we choose it and we, it's, it's a mentally, it's emotionally, it's, it's physically, it's all very demanding on us. It is. And, and it's so worth it though. You know, I was telling, yeah. I was telling my sister, you know, you know, I have lunch and I can go out and if I'm working from home, I can go out in my backyard and sit by my pool and eat my sandwich or whatever. Um, and I do that. And I look at the clock and I'm ready to go back inside, start working. And it's only been 15, 20 minutes. And I thought if I worked for a company, I'd be out here for 60 minutes, <laughs> every minute that I had, but it's different when it's yours, Yeah, you know? And so the, the drive and the hunger that you get as an entrepreneur, um, it has to stay with you. If it doesn't, you know, you have to look, look and analyze, you know, why am I doing this or, you know, but like I said, a lot of people just all of a sudden they see, they have a startup envy and they think they can do it. And then they try it and they're just like, Oh my goodness, this is so much more than I ever thought. You know, you can't just wake up and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, you can wake up and say, I want to own a company. That's a business. That's fine. But there's a difference between the two. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, how can our listeners contact you? Now, we typically, just so you know, we'll share the LinkedIn and the website, but is there another social channel you prefer or something specifically on your website where they can reach out to you? Some people even are so brave to share their personal email, but I go, you know, this is the internet and everybody will hear it and know it forever. So, well, I definitely on LinkedIn, but I know not everybody is on LinkedIn. So um, they can reach out to me at pinklotustech.com. Mm -hmm. We have a contact us form so they can say, hello, heard you on the show. Yep. I'm putting that in here right now. So obviously that's the website, but did you say it's info ad or? 
You said you had a form on the website, right? Uh, no, a just go to our form? website. Yeah, it's a contact us. It's at um, pinklotustech.com. Okay. It's yep. the website. Yeah, I've got the website down, but I was just wanting to make sure that our listeners would know too, because I was wanting to be clear. All right. Well, we are at the end of our show. And I just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Cat Pipe Studios, to our production team, to our sound engineers, and also all of the um, music, Sophie Lloyd. There's just so many people here. Um, you're going to find those names when you go and you click on our, our uh, show notes. And then also uh, be sure to visit Employers for Change. That's Employers, the number four change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create a DEI culture and skill your employees and interns for the future of work. I want to thank you, Marianne, for coming back here and being a guest on the show. I can't wait to see what happens. It's still March and there's going to be something that you win because you always win some <laughs> one or two two competitions or awards or something every month. I don't know what it has been that you won previously this month, but I know you are a hustler in the best possible way. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, again, just so everybody knows, you can definitely check out Marianne's show a little bit later. Uh, I hope you go and contact her. And if you have children, you should definitely look at her product. Thank you. So thank you, Marianne, for giving us this rapid SOS video that we can share with our video podcast listeners and viewers. Just so everyone knows, this video will tell you even more about the product, and it was one of those big prizes that Marianne won. Our mission at Rapid SOS is to connect the world to public safety. And we do that by bringing all types of data from millions of connected devices into the 911 center when it matters most. And now we're excited to be working with Pink Lotus to have a wearable solution that connects users directly to 911 in an emergency. POM is a health and wellness wearable device to save children's lives. It has built-in biometric sensors and GPS tracking so parents can be in the know and find out where their children are at all times. So by working with companies like Pink Lotus, we're really creating the ability for data-driven emergency response. I saw the key benefits for our company and for Rapid SOS working together with really having the same mission in mind as protecting people, protecting lives, protecting our loved ones. So rather than having to speak all this information to 911 when you're in a really challenging situation, we're now able to pass all this data digitally so that the 911 center can really speak with the caller on the line, make sure they're okay, while simultaneously having all the data that they need to drive an informed response. And the 911 dispatcher can see what is happening with that child. They can see the name of the child, the location of the child exactly, and also be able to notify the other guardians of what is happening. And having the information on a panel screen in front of the dispatcher really is crucial and key to help saving lives. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to our production team and video interns, Christian Flowers and Daniel Conti. Music is by Sophie Lloyd and our sound engineer is Eric Peterson. Please visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while upskilling your people for the future of work. Thank you for listening to The Interim Whisper and follow us on your favorite podcast channels.